Hi, this is Troy Deeney, and you're listening to From the Rookery End. And welcome to From the Rookerend. Today is the fifth and final day of our podcast to celebrate 10 years of doing this here podcast for you as Watford fans, us as Watford fans, talking about and celebrating all the great and not so great bits about Watford Football Club. I'm joined by Mike. Hello, John. And Jason. Hello there. And the three of us have been doing this for 10 years now. One man, Michael, who we have spoken to on several occasions, particularly five years ago when we had dinner with him, is Troy Dean. And we're going to be speaking to him today. As a man, he is Mr Watford and there's no getting away from that, is there? No, absolutely not. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for, for 10 years, virtually Troy's, the entirety of Troy's Watford career. And, and in that time, he's just become ever increasingly important, hasn't he, to, to Watford and, and us as supporters. Talismanic, um, off the pitch and, and on it. We've seen how important he is as a captain. We've seen all the amazing work that he's done off the field. And that has just grown, I think, as, as those 10 years have, have gone on. And, and since we've moved into the Premier League era, five years on since, uh, since since our last official sit-down chat, that growth has continued. I think his importance to Watford just can't be under understated. And uh, yeah, real, really looking forward to uh, to hear what he has to say. Jason, what are you expecting though? Because you know we we feel like we know Troy quite well. We've spoken to him on several occasions. We got a lot from him when we had dinner with him and how he was and where his headspace was five years ago. What are you expecting from this this here interview? We well, talked about that dinner five years ago, and I think perhaps we were surprised by his honesty and openness at that time and we've seen from his interviews since and through interaction on social media that he remains that way I think he's still quite honest and quite open but he is five years older Uh, he's been captain of the club throughout that time his family circumstances have changed and I think we'll see perhaps uh, a more mature Troy, like all of us, really. We've all matured, haven't we, over the last five years? (coughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Michael, have you not? (laughs) So, yes, I think we'll see uh, an open, honest, but mature Troy Deeney. So we're going to be speaking to him a bit later on, and we're going to, well, I think he might be in the middle of a bank holiday Monday barbecue, but we'll we'll try and get get a good chat from him, which which is probably likely because... Hey, he's Troy Deeney. So let's go over uh, and find out what happened when we spoke to Troy Deeney. Ten years into being a Hornet and a man at the top of his game in the Premier League. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello Troy. Right. Right, How are you guys? You all right? Very good, thank you. You all right? Yeah, living the dream, mate. Living the dream. How are you guys? <laughs> Very good, thank you. Uh, everyone is here um, good, and good, ready good. to go. Um, so, uh, are you comfortable? Uh, I'm currently doing the barbecue, so yeah. Oh, right, OK. Very nice. Troy, when you left us after that dinner five years ago, promotion wasn't secure. We didn't know what was going to happen. It did happen. So what was it like? What was it like playing that season that, and the end of that season? I think I told you it was going to happen, lads, if you remember. <laughs> Never I mean, in doubt. You did turn around and say I was a little bit overconfident, but... I had faith in my boys. It was a weird, surreal moment, wasn't it? Especially in the manner in which we got we got it done. We didn't expect it to be away at Brighton. And I think also the biggest thing was for the first time in weeks, we was the first game. I remember 
always chasing teams and chasing their result. I remember playing Forest on Thursday and thinking, if we don't win here, we're going to open a big old gap. So it was nice to be the, the team to go out and uh, really apply the pressure to everybody else. The last third of that season, Troy, was just so, for us as supporters, it was so I mean, it's obviously exciting, but it's so claustrophobic. It's so stressful because, like mm-hmm. you say, we knew if we slipped up, it was going to be very, very difficult to make make the ground up. How did you, looking back over that season, the, the team just ground out result after result after result. How did you guys manage yeah. that? Honestly, I don't think we spoke about it too much. We just kind of churned each victory out. I was trying to think about it the other day when someone was talking to me about it. We didn't actually have a clear plan of what was going on, if that makes sense. We just turned up, said we're going to win, kind of just carried on doing that we certainly did a big old win and a big old turnaround in terms of confidence I think the, the biggest thing that we did was get Ben Watson in and Matty Connolly I think they had a real nous and understanding I still speak about it the other day Ketchy's role in the last game was absolutely magnificent by the way because everyone yeah. forget he came off after 20 minutes yeah 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 he could have easily moaned and kicked off our horse so the half time could have been really awkward but it wasn't well. And that was a, that was everyone lauded that as a bit of a, a masterstroke from from Slavijanovic there being having the the sort of yeah. the the balls to do that in such a massive game. It was that. Did, yeah. did he feel like that to you guys? Like tactically, he just have everything spot on. Yeah, he wasn't wasn't afraid to make big decisions, and I think you respect somebody that's ready to fall on their sword. Essentially, he was going to make the decisions, and he was going to stand by his decisions. So he got a lot of people's respect for that. Yeah, it was a real real masterstroke in the end because. We ended up putting Connolly to the left of a three and he did really well, really well. Toza came in there and just him and Ben really settled down because I remember um, O'Grady, he was really good that day. He was causing us all sorts of problems. So when we stopped letting him get the ball into his chest, then we kind of got a bit of a foothold into the game. And it's, it sounds like you've got pretty vivid uh, memories of that game itself, Troy, and I think we all uh, we can remember it very very well as well. But what was it like that afternoon? You found out on the bus, I think it was, that we're in the yeah. in the Premier League. Can you explain that feeling, what it was like? I don't, I don't normally get emotional. Yeah! It was really surreal because we was, again, as we were the early kickoff, we were driving back and the whole intention and talks were, we've got one more game, win the next game and we're done. No one was going, we're going to get promoted here. And I think Middlesbrough drew with Fulham, was it in the last minute? They lost, yeah, right at the end, yeah. Yeah, they kind of went all out for it, didn't they? And then uh, McCormack scored on a breakaway. But we was watching the news come in and it was really strange because you think about it, what was that, five years ago? There was yeah. only really Miguel Layun who had the, the forthright knowledge to uh, film it. Because no one else was really into Twitter or social media at that time. Oh, was it his phone? I always wondered whose phone it was. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I remember he had like a million followers the, the second he came into Watford. It was unbelievable. So we was, I remember all of us trying to rob his like followers and stuff. I do remember that. <laughs> he was the only one who thought about it. An amazing, amazing experience that. And uh, only Miguel with the sense mm-hmm. to uh, to capture it, unfortunately. But And you mentioned one more game, Troy. And it was, and it obviously ended in... Watford were promoted. That was the main thing. Everyone was happy. The town went bananas. We went bananas. We had an amazing mm-hmm. night. But ultimately, we missed out on a championship with pretty much the last last kick of the game. How yeah. did that feel? Did that? What does that mean to you? Does it still rankle? 
He does more now. He didn't at the time. I was mm. peed off, and I remember punching the dugout window out. We had, like, plasticky style windows. And at the end of the game, I just thought it was a massive missed opportunity, really. I felt like people were more interested in the, the evening, like what was going to happen afterwards. And obviously, we got promoted. The job essentially was done, but just didn't feel right for me. But now, looking back, I'm thinking, should really have a winner's medal, really. And I think with my runners-up medal, I think I'd give it my nan. I don't even keep it. Yeah. I was just like, I was just frustrated, really. And again, we battered Sheffield Wednesday as well earlier on in the season. So to not see the job through was quite frustrating. It was frustrating. But that, that whole season as a as a whole, Troy, it was, like I said, for us as supporters, it was up and down. It was, could you uh, was it fun to play in? Uh, yeah, definitely was fun. It was trying because, again, people forget I was injured for a month as well. I did my hamstring at Blackpool. And when that had happened, I think Pepe had just left. We brought in... Oscar from Brighton. He didn't come to the Blackpool game because he had heart concerns. And then within that space of him not being there in a week, Billy McKinley took over and that was for Blackburn away. But I didn't actually play in that game again because I was injured. And he kind of broke down to me and Keith Andrews that, look, you guys are going to be the ones that really, really lead this ship um, in regards to the players and whatever. So we were like, oh, brilliant. And then literally, what, a week later, Billy McKinley's not there and we're going, (laughs) "Okay, what's happening here? (laughs) <laughs> so it was just one of those strange moments really it was a really fun experience the more I look back at it just because we played some really exciting stuff but I think anyone that was there would say we had some unbelievable games we was very much a case of we're going to score as many as we can and hope you guys can uh, stick with us it was incredible and then it, it was on to the onto the Premier League of course Jase so we're into the um, into the second five years of your time at Watford and we think there's slightly yeah. less managers in that in that five years <laughs> so we're going to talk about them yeah first just the five was, first yeah. up was, uh, was Kike and it all seemed to start really well got the win at Stoke where we thought that's it we're, we're there now for me like we, we train really well and what I liked with Kike on a personal level was just how he treated me he wanted me to get fitter and Lena, he knew what I could do, but he would do things like, right, me and you will go for 45 minute, what we call fat burner runs, where we just run and just talked and he expressed his, his views and what he thought the season could be. Made me feel like ultimately I'm still going to be the main man as long as I deliver. So that was, that was nice in pre-season. And then I still remember the buzz at Everton away. Like that was, that was a surreal moment for me. Years and years of working to be in the Premier League and then not only being in the Premier League, to be a captain of a Premier League team was, was massive. Um, and again, we had a great a great start. I nearly got sent off after about 30 seconds as well. Smashed, <laughs> smashed John Stones because I was so excited and uh, thankfully got away with one. Just to go back about the, the goal scoring, you mentioned the championship and obviously you and... You and um, he went and into the into the Premier League. Did you genuinely believe between you as a as a unit you would carry on scoring that many goals in the in the Premier League? Because it was it was pretty extraordinary to pick up where you left off, wasn't it? Yeah, we thought we'd score. I think, I don't think we were naive enough to say we're going to both score twenty plus again. You do your self assessments and you look in and say, right, to score twenty, you've got to be on the levels of your Van Persies, your Rooney's, people of that nature. So we was aiming. 10 plus would be a good return. 15 would be excellent. And then anything above that, you're, you're probably looking at getting a move. People don't really talk like that, but that, that's the God's honest truth of it. And we was confident. And it was a challenge because we started the season playing one up front, if you actually remember. Everton away, we had one up front and Iggy was on the bench. It's only because we were losing that we put Iggy on and went to a two. And I think Kike's initial intention was to play one up front. 
But then I think he just realised, A, how it worked, B, how it upset the other team, and then C, that I, I could do the defensive side of things as well. So he didn't really have to panic and worry if we were going to get left exposed. And we went out there with no fear. Ultimately, that's what we did. We took teams on and it was fun. It was frustrating at times, but it was definitely fun. You talk about um, feeling confident. Was there a point in the season where you switch from, we've got a good chance here of doing something, of staying up to, yet we're going to be all right. We are We are where we deserve to be. Yeah, you kind of go through the trying to knock out the wins, don't you? And we had a little foul just before Villa at home. when obviously we scored two in the last couple of minutes to, to get the victory. But we had a little spell where we were just grinding out results and we were kind of edging up towards the 40-point mark. Everyone was confident, is the wrong word, but more relaxed that we could actually deliver on the, the, the goals that we wanted to at the start of the season. I don't think at any point anyone thought we were going to get relegated. We felt we were better than a lot of the teams that were already in there. And then Walter, the next <laughs> year. Walter, you, know, you had, a, you had a, a bunch of managers who, for us, uh, him maybe more than anybody, was a bit uh, mystical. I think okay. uh, to us all, just just talk to, talk to us about Walter. Um, yeah, <laughs> lovely individual. <laughs> me and him just didn't see eye to eye. I think he had nothing to do with the football sense. That was the frustration for me. I think it was more power for him. It was more of a power struggle. Maybe in Italy, he's very used to what he says goes. And I just felt that sometimes you can be questioned. It's not it's not a bad thing for someone to question what's going on. Yeah, he just didn't work out. He did a lot of things that I didn't approve of. But what I must say is what coach, the tactical coach, very, very good. Kept us in real good shape. I think the best one would be Arsenal away. The way he set us up, the way he was literally, to the, to the details of when you're going to a man, you have to do this, send him here, trust me, it'll work. And we was all like, mm, OK. And then after 15 minutes, you're like, Oh shit! It all works, you know. Not not in essentially like he knows what he's doing, but you could just see it all playing out in front of you. And it, the way it unfolded, we were ended up being very comfortable winners that day. Capu, Dini makes the run. Capu goes on, and uh, Dini's there. Two 0 Watford in the thirteenth minute. So you know, I t- I tip my hat to him. He, d- he did well. He. He was successful, I suppose, but me and him, personality-wise, just clash. Do you think he was brought in, Troy, to be that different to, to Kike? I think what everyone could see for a few years anyway at Watford is we we fell off towards the end of the season. Mm. We started OK, did well over Christmas, got pretty safe and then kind of eased off. We, you know, didn't really have much in the way of ambition to finish as high as we could. Um, and I think that's ultimately what was Kike's you know, demise at the end that he'd kind of done enough but I think from a club's perspective they were certainly looking at it going this is a possibility for us to go on and do a lot of real good things But that was almost the, the, the tale of every yeah, season for, for yeah. the first three starts great dips and we just make it make it through Walter was the same in the Arsenal game if we hadn't won that game who knows what would have happened it was so so tight down there is is that a thing necessarily just with the managers or or is it uh, you know more to do with the, the squad or it's everyone I suppose uh, we've all had to take responsibility we can't say it was the manager because that would suggest it would hasn't happened more than once so certainly all of us um, from top to bottom we let our foot off the gas and Got lucky a few times, I would say. Mm. But, um, yeah, in, in regards to, to Walter and myself, like, it just broke down a few times. I think the clearest one, which ended up being public, was the Spurs game. I'd scored the week before we'd won. I want to say it was Southampton. 
And then we go to Spurs and then I was, he's on the bench and like, just didn't tell me, just put me on the bench and then I think we were 4-0 down and he went, go on, you can go on now. That was a bit of a piss take, personally. But Slav did that to you as well, though. They all did it to me. Yeah, so, is it, so, so <laughs> was it particularly it because of, is there just something he did particularly eager-y? Yeah, in weeks before, I would, like, so in the week leading up to Spurs, I was in all the shape I was starting. And you kind of get an idea of starting. And then literally an hour and a half before we get to the stadium, he announces the team and I'm on the bench. And it's like, couldn't even have like the decency to just pull me and say, I'm going with this. I wouldn't have agreed with it, but just thought that I'd earned the right that he was telling me I was going to be dropped, for example. That was that. And then I think if you remember the last game of the season, we had like eight players and I still ended up on the bench. <laughs> so, Along with two goalkeepers. Exactly. So that, that was his intention from the start he, he was very much about making it him versus for him versus me and you know again we've got we've got mutual respect but just as people we uh we were never going to be asking each other out for a, a beer you're not going to have a sneaky fag with him outside the ground like he always did no he wasn't that <laughs> sneaky was it everyone knew <laughs> well no true yeah it's true, true yeah <laughs> what sort of impact does that have then Troy when when a manager is so or head coach is so obviously sort of butting heads with with the captain with one of the the key key players in the squad and and how did that you know you mentioned that last day we sort of joke about it now there was three three goalkeepers in a in a premier league match day squad for me as a supporter i was like this is this is kind of a bit embarrassing it feels like he's just tossed it in really and doesn't doesn't care everyone knew he was on his way so how do you deal with sort of what are the, what's the impact of it of it going so so wrong so obviously for me it was solely a case of like you're leaving but I'm the one that's got to carry this ship. So I thought it was a, an even bigger piss take that I was on the bench. But a lot of it was to do with injuries. And again, even in that situation, Valon Barami was a top professional. Because everyone forgets yeah. he went centre-half. So yeah. he, he he handled himself really well. And people tried their best to let their professional pride get us over the line. But ultimately, he was, he was doomed when we all kind of knew he was going. So it was a shame. After Walter, Marco Silva. And at yeah. first, everything was, was fantastic, wasn't it? He... he we got to the Arsenal game uh, last minute. Say, not, not for me. I was injured, but not you for me. Were injured, but as a, <laughs> as, a, as a squad, as a team, how did that feel at that point? No, we did well. We had some great victories. Uh, Bournemouth away. Remember being a real good day. We had the Charleston, obviously, who hit the ground running. As you say, the Arsenal game, we would come from behind, and we and we did well. And, and ultimately, I can say it now. The the only thing was the Everton approach, and ultimately, his handling of it. So I don't think he necessarily. <laughs> Try to force a move in regards to like sacking off training sessions, but it was very clear he was an ambitious individual. All he had to do was kind of either say yes, I'm going, or no, I'm not. Like, but he kind of said nothing, and that left a lot of the dangerous thing, I suppose, letting people think about things, didn't it? So, you know, Marco Silva, that 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 moment, that Arsenal game has yeah. has sort of stuck with you for not just your performance on the pitch, your your post match comments about uh, Cajones. Well, I'm not going to be one to tell Mr Wenger about himself, but there's a reason the loss and it wasn't because of one penalty. What do you think it was? Um, I have to watch what I say on, on the, but yeah. having a bit of <laughs> cojones, I think the word is. Yeah, yeah. yeah having yeah. a bit of nuts. I think you can get away with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being a Premier League player, all those things that sort of go with it, do, were you aware that this was going to have the impact it, it has had? No, honestly, I genuinely thought, why would anyone care what Troy's got to say? And also, I just speak my mind. I don't think I was saying anything that anybody didn't think. The problem, what it, what it ended up creating was people like Merson going, oh, how dare he say that? And then two weeks later, we're saying the same thing. And it was like, I should be paying me, really. I've helped you out here. I've done your job for you. <laughs> 
again, ultimately, it's are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you comfortable saying what you think? I'm not really too asked what people think. I said what I, what I did and it kind of resonated. I don't, if it didn't resonate, it wouldn't have lasted as long. Have you been watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Yep. In that, you know, a man, I know he's a he's an absolute sporting icon. There's three boys in that, so Rodman, Pippin and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Is, was there one you related to a little bit more than the others? A little bit of all of them, to be fair, at times. <laughs> I think Rodman would definitely be around my uh, earlier years at Watford. Um, <laughs> not turning up for practice, that kind of thing. But I think ultimately, like, when you look at those things, it, get, it, get, it gave people that don't know anything about high-level sport and uh, an insight into just how ruthless it can be and how and how you have to demand daily to be not only the best but to be competitive that's what i took from it i don't know about you guys it's certainly an interesting watch and yeah it's brilliant in terms of an athlete's perspective on things i think everyone can learn from it i think the thing that struck me was that he wasn't he didn't really care about what people thought about him he was there to get what he wanted to get done done mm-hmm. and he was going to drag people along is that yeah. your role, perhaps not quite as black and white as it is with was with Michael yeah. Jordan, but is that your role as as club captain? Certainly at times like certainly at times like this, and certainly at times when there's issues with the uh, with the head coaches, you've got to drag other people along with you. I think so. I think we all have our different personality traits. It's very strange for me to talk about it. I think it'd be easier if somebody else spoke mm. about me, if that makes sense. I do think I like to uh, what's the word I want to use here? Push people out of their comfort zone. That's where I would like to say. And I think ultimately, people that have responded have always got the best, and out of not only themselves but out of me. And I'm also very willing for people to call me out at times. It's not happened that many times in my Watford career, but when I've been called out, I've responded pretty well to it. Certainly through Championship years, I definitely felt like I dragged the team at times. Don't think I'm big-headed in saying that. Others that have gone have said that on records. That would certainly happen. And I think if you just look at this year, for example, I think you notice when I'm not in the team to when I. I'm in the team. Has it ever caused too many issues with you? You know, the fact that you're this driving force. And I think maybe particularly, you, you talked there about the championship being, that's what the championship was like. But when you start getting very different players, have you ever, has, has your sort of drive, reputation, way of speaking out caused either friction or even fractions in the, in the changing room? Uh, I don't think so, because I think people ultimately know I'll, I'll say anything to anybody's face i try and treat people with respect so i wouldn't say some of me and you were talking about here and then go back to the dressing room and be like you know i love you i think you're the best guy ever i tell everyone their their truth has that been to my detriment at times yeah 100 percent. but i think in the long term it's always stood me a good step because everyone knows i'm very very respectful and i ultimately only want the best for people i don't i'm not a nasty individual and i want the best for watford so if you talk about like the cojones comment for example we've now got a rivalry with arsenal that never ever happened before of all the years that's gone on so me just saying a simple comment of they lack cojones turned out to have a rivalry with one of the biggest clubs in, in english football people think i say that just to gain troy's personal growth but it's definitely like let's go and challenge them what's the worst that can happen we lose all right again but what about you personally with we are still at Watford and we still love you at Watford but have you ever felt 
a bigger move or a bigger something might have been hindered by being outspoken because all the pundits and Ian Ryan, everybody who, who says it's brilliant, it's refreshing, it is because it's brilliant and it is refreshing and that's what footballers used to be like. It isn't necessarily what footballers are like now. Do you think it's hindered you in terms of a possible career development? No. No, it hasn't. And the reason I say that is because I've turned out so many moves. Have they said to me, if you joined us, we would prefer it if you kept quiet? Yes. Have I told them that would never happen? <laughs> yes. So um, I don't think it has I think it's hindered me because ultimately, if you look at it from a total PR perspective, it's good and bad. Like It drives people to come and watch Watford because you don't know what Troy's going to say ultimately but on the other side of things I'm sure it frustrates him when he gets calls at like eight at night saying <laughs> Troy's just said this online and it's going in the paper tomorrow because your, your life Troy has been has been up and down there's changes in your life circumstances recently because of the the way you are pretty much everyone knows what's going on you wear your heart on your on your sleeve and everyone mm-hmm. everyone knows about it what's that like brilliant because I'm living my truth yeah. I'm not somebody that gets up in the morning and goes, right, let's pretend to be this person. Or I'm going to go into work and pretend to be happy when I'm really not. A lot of people live in a an underlying fear of who they are. I'm not perfect. I make shed loads of mistakes daily. Am I trying to be a better person? Yeah. Do I want best for not only me, but for family and honestly, for Watford, do I want them to be the best? Yeah, because ultimately, when I'm being compared to, let's say, Luther, for example... It's not a case of just the goals. It's what have you done? Have you transitioned the club to a level that Lufa, John Barnes, they took it so far, then you've managed to take it on even further. Then you pass the mantle on to somebody else and can they take it on? It's all about the, the natural progression. So, yeah, I do wear my heart on my sleeve. do get into trouble when I get emotional. But I think ultimately everyone knows it's for a good time. One of the most emotional moments I think we've seen with you was after the semi-final win and you were definitely quite reflective in your post-match interviews yeah. you know, yeah. not just that semi-final what was the, 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 the semi-final the whole hoopla that goes around such a historic game in FA Cup history this isn't just Watford history it's FA Cup history all that how does that sort of sit with you like a year on I do believe that in in those moments it is a real historic moment but everyone looks at it from a footballing perspective I looked at it from a genuine young kid from Chelmsley Wood that like anyone really used to play Wembley as a kid, I know it has a different meaning then, but you know, playing up against the garages, pretending to be at Wembley, and I'm just managed to score an important goal, which went on to getting us to a final. And then I had my mum and everyone there, and it was just, I don't know, just like a bit of a an emotional moment because like everyone I wanted is here, and they've saw it and they're witnessing it. Um, and after the game, I didn't go straight into the changing room. I went and said hello to everyone. And then I just got my phone, text what box are they in? They text me the number and I went straight up to them. And I just, just had a hug with everyone. I was absolutely shattered, but I just wanted to see just wanted to see the people that have helped me along the way. Because as you say, I've had a, a colourful past, but I certainly have atoned for it over the years. And, and what people don't see is how much pressure that puts on others in and around me. We're going, to, we're going to talk, unfortunately, about the, the final in a minute, Troy, but I wanted to ask you yeah. about just comparing the two semi-finals, those two FA Cup semi-finals we played in. The last one was that, the first one was the game under under Kike and then the one with Javi, yeah. which was obviously magnificent. How did we get it so wrong in the one under Kike and then so right 
second time round. Did the did the first one help drive drive you guys through for the for the second? I think we made mistakes leading up to the semi final of the first game. I remember playing West Ham, I think, on the Tuesday maybe before. And we made like ten changes and I think what Javi did really well was kept it consistent, kept it driving. Remember Jerry was on the bench, so people forget that because obviously he scored the two goals were made huge decisions which ultimately made made us end up winning because it was competition right away up until the day of the game so Dre would be a super sub at that point if everyone remembers he was scoring coming off the bench scoring but was never starting so you had that competition and, and, and I think that's ultimately why it ended up being such a great day because everyone was pushing and pushing I think for the first one I remember it being made out to be such an occasion and then you know what I mean so. yeah absolutely yeah and then then of course the the final came around and it was at the end of what could have been an absolutely extraordinary season Javi had turned Javi had turned us round beautifully after Marco effectively calling him Marco Marco Silva left us in the yeah. in the lurch really is how we looked at it as supporters and and Javi turned mm-hmm. it round and and started that that season so well culminating in that that cup final an incredible day for for us um, mm-hmm. as supporters and no doubt you as players I mean I haven't watched it back and I, I doubt I ever will how yeah. how how do you feel about it, uh, the way it, it, it panned out? Yeah, it was shit, wasn't it? There's no point dancing around it. It was shit. We we just, but what for a... terrible? Did we not play well or did Man City just... Were they you know what? We, we started off well. We didn't we didn't capitalise. If everyone remembers, we had that massive chance with Maxi. And I think if he scores at that point, you, you grow in confidence. You have, you have something to hold on to. You have a, a belief that, oh God, this unstoppable force... We can actually go on and you know, and keep hitting them on the counter attack. We was actually doing really well up until their goal, and then they just mm. hit us with two or three really quick, and it was like, it just happened there. We were doing all right, and we saw it not just this season, but with many other seasons. When City turn it on, mm. there's not much you can do to stop them. Yeah, we kind of got pummeled, but I've watched it back a few times. Cause I think you have to learn from, learn from your worst moments to grow. So I was very much there was a, I think there's a picture actually where I'm stood clapping them and I was clapping them genuinely like sincerely but I was also like you've embarrassed me I gotta come back from this bigger and stronger and that was that was it what what it was for me and uh that's what really drove me over the summer because I was embarrassed I was genuinely embarrassed as a as an individual were many others in the change room embarrassed I wouldn't talk for their their state but just because solely people project it differently don't they just because someone wasn't throwing things around and screaming and shouting doesn't mean that they wasn't embarrassed. I don't think anyone took fond memories from it, I know that much. I was going to say, after after the cup final and into this season, obviously it wasn't a, mm. a, a great start. Was that a hangover from the cup final? No, I don't believe so. Well, I only played two games, so I got injured in the second game. But I certainly feel that, I feel what happened with, with Javi is that he, he got very comfortable with, it, with the team. So even when we had people in pre-season doing well, there was no ever feeling that they was ever going to start the main games. Does that make sense? Like, it was always like, it was, we were just going to go back mm-hmm. to the same kind of game and the same kind of team. And that breeds complacency and comfortability as well. So people get comfortable and going, right, let's... I don't really have to train as hard because I know I'm going to play on the weekend. And, I, and ultimately, I think that's what, what happened. And like I say, I only played two matches, but watching some of the other games from the stands was an eye-opener because you've seen that we're doing well but it was just something just missing well today it wasn't just it just didn't feel right it wasn't a Watford team should we say we'd, we'd come to expect so as, as captain was there something that you feel you could have done about that not really I wasn't I wasn't around 
again, this is a perception that everyone thinks that because you're captain, you can go, right, lads, I'm not going to be out on the training pitch for you, but train really hard, please. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah, train, no worries. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You have to be, you have to talk, which I try to do, and you have to be out there as well and actively taking the lead. And in that moment, it kind of goes back to what we said, drag people through it. Because some people are introverts as well, so they don't really do well with pressure and... You know, the more the pressure mounts, they need somebody to take over. And, you know, sometimes that's me. Other times it might be Caps. Other times it might be Ben Foster. You know, there's different people that do it at different times. So you get frustrated, especially me, because I'm trying to be back. And anyone that knows me, as soon as he said I was out for like three months, I was like, right, let's make that two. Do we do everything? Do we push? And sometimes you push too early and you push too hard. And, and that was the hardest part for me knowing that I couldn't do nothing to help the boys. And when I went to running, I'm trying to just think, so I'll get this right. I think I was about two weeks, maybe even less than that. No, I wasn't. I was less than that. I started running on the Sunday outside with the young boys and I was on the bench Friday night when we played Norwich. That shows the the, the turnaround and, and also I think the desperation, I suppose, to get me back involved. Desperation for you or desperation for, for Kike? For Kike? Not for me. Because, well, it is for me because I want to play, but he didn't bring me on. Do you know what I mean? At that point, he was a, we'll have Troy just in case it's needed, but he didn't bring me on at any point. Um, even when, you know, it was, I think he made the, uh, no, with Norwich we won and then we played Burnley and he brought me on when we were 2-0 down, I think 3-0 down. And then Southampton, when I kind of thought like, right, I'm in a position to help, I didn't even get brought on at all. For, from my perspective, it was a case of just get Troy in and around it, make him travel, because what you're talking about before, can can I influence you when I'm in and around it 100%? But when I'm not there, I couldn't. And was and the Kike thing, did it ever get going? Was there ever a, a moment where you thought that this could be the, the thing that we needed? Before Arsenal, you could, you know, when we played Arsenal, you're thinking if we got that win, that could have really kicked it and we could have carried on from there. But it was, again, it was always little bits when it was, it was nearly, it was all nearly, and, and it felt like, We'd wasted 10 matches through nostalgia, in my opinion. It felt like we, we went, oh, it happened with Kiko, let's bring him back. But I always look at things black and white. There was a reason we got rid of him. Even like when you look at Mourinho going back to, to Chelsea, for example, it was never the same as the first time, was it? Yeah. So you, you start chasing things, but it's never really the same because people grow and people change. So, What's a, what's a dressing room like after a team loses 8 0 at, at the Etihad? Because, I, I mean, I'm no tactical genius, but it struck mm-hmm. me that Kike was probably brought back to shore things up defensively. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite go Didn't to play that. in that game. And I know we know no. Man City can do uh, nasty things to teams, but, you know, 8 mm-hmm. 0, we were, as supporters, that's that's tough to take as, as yeah, players and, and, and captains. Players, yeah, players, it's embarrassing. You can't get away from it. That's everywhere. And. Again, I was getting hammered, and I, w- I wasn't even playing. <laughs> I was, um, I was, I literally got back from my first session. I got home, and I jumped on the bike, and I put Gillette Soccer Saturday on, and within ten minutes of being on the bike, we were three 0 down. I was like, "What's going on here?" And it's, it's again, it's, it's that humbling feeling when you want to help people, but you can't. Now De Bruyne, not scored yet today. De Bruyne, he has now. Only matter of time. It's eight. It's great. Sure, you know we, we talk about the you know the, the football side of things. How do you think though? You know, we had a, a conversation with you five years ago. You know, you, you, you did the initial few years after and, and come back after your time in prison. How do you think you've changed though in the last five years as a as a person or like or almost away from the football club? I've tried to grow up is what I've tried to do. 
think I'm very much comfortable in my own skin. I'm not trying to impress anybody. And ultimately, I just, I'm trying to live a simple life. That's what I'm trying to do. That's the, that's the hardest part for me, to not get caught up and try to do everything for everyone, try and do things that make me happy now and make my family happy. That's where I'd say I've grown up. I'm always going to be an aggressive character on the pitch, just kind of have my makeup in terms of how I play the game. But ultimately, I'm just trying my best to be the, the best version of me. Where could you have got caught up previously then, Troy? What, could have, what sort of pitfalls might you have fallen into before that you, that you wouldn't now? Well, obviously, everyone knows I, I earn a lot, a lot of money compared to what I used to earn. You could always get caught up in that. I've got the same friends I grew up with, so it'd be very easy to get them caught up in some nonsense, which they don't need to get caught up into. And ultimately, just the pitfalls of living in London. Like, I lived in London for a little while. It's very uh, high-paced, shall we say. That just wasn't, wasn't great for me. I don't really do well with a lot of temptation. So, yeah, just moved out to Surrey and... I like the, the nature, do you know what I mean? I like to go out and walk the dog and do simple things. And even in this lockdown, we've done like a walk a night, just simple things that just clear the mind and phones off at like nine o'clock. So we're not sat on the phone all night. So it's just simple things that I wouldn't have done in a, a youthful me, definitely wouldn't have done. So that youthful you, Chelmsley Wood, you've gone mm-hmm. from there to London, to, mm-hmm. to Surrey, to the leafy suburbs. You know mm-hmm. you've made it, but are you still... <laughs> A, a Chelmsley Wood, are you still Troy of Chelmsley Wood? Is that is that still you? And it, do you have to battle that or can you can you embrace it? Good question. I, I am ultimately always who I am. Next month, sorry, I'll be 30. A lot of three decades worth of behaviours that I'm trying to change in regards to what I saw growing up to what I did in my teenagers to uh, you know, mid-twenties to who I am now, which is... Uh, the old man who's pretty boring, who doesn't really do too much. Troy, what you what you said, walking in the sunshine in the in the field sounds perfect. I'm there with you, mate. I'm there with you. <laughs> there's not many 31 year olds that are doing that, though. No, I am me. 40, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just enjoy the simple things now. I'm very aware, and to some people this might sound really morbid, but like my dad died very suddenly at like 47. So to me, I've always had a ticking time bomb that I won't make it past a certain age so I try to enjoy and embrace as much as I can and now I'm starting to live through the kids I'm turning into that weird parent that thinks their kids mm-hmm. going to be brilliant and I'm kind of living through them so that's that's one angle and you're obviously a new you're a new dad um but yeah how old is your son's what I think five months at the moment five how, months yeah how's that he's uh yeah it's interesting we had um he sucked us in because he thought that like <laughs> he was sleeping like nine hours and we're like oh Bad touch here, he's a perfect kid. And the past ten days he started waking up at two, five and nine and it's uh, it's it's been trying, let's put it that way. We've all been I'm there. Do, yeah, I'm doing things and I don't even know how I've done it. My eyes are definitely <laughs> burning. But no, it has been it's been good. And ultimately what this short break has been able to make me do is concentrate with the kids, to be um in the moment, to to like I Mike, I watch a lot of your stuff where you take your little man to the wrestling and things like that. Yeah. That for me, while I would have took my son to wrestling, I was never in the moment. It would always yeah. be I'd be rushing back from work to pick him up, to take him to the wrestling. While I'm at the wrestling, I'm texting, I'm not really in the room. So I see the things that you're doing in terms of creating memories. And again, I'm not blowing smoke what you ask because that's not my style. But I see you and I go, well, if you could do that, I have to do that. So 
I try and make memories now. And yes, Miles um, is going to be 11 next week. And um, he just wants me to like sit and play FIFA with him or watch him play Fortnite. And I ain't got a clue what's going on. But just <laughs> sit there, talk, be interested. That is all he really wants from me. So it's just small things like that, really, that I'm trying to to grow up and learn. And, you know, I'm learning on the job. Everything I've ever done, I've learned on the job, whether that be football or whether that be relationships or whatever. It's always learning on the job and there's definitely room to still room to grow. You mentioned your, your relationships there, Troy, and please stop us mm-hmm. if, it, if we're getting too personal. But obviously the, the birth of your, 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 your youngest son, that there was a change mm-hmm. in your circumstances leading mm-hmm. up to that. Uh, how difficult was was that? It wasn't difficult. The only reason I'm not going to go too deep into this is because obviously there's other parties involved. So I could easily give you my opinion and it would sound very brash and very, it is what it is, I kind of cracked up in my life, but it would ultimately be disrespectful to, to the mother of my other kids. So just in short, we're great. Life's good. We're, we're pushing to be better. We're still trying to... Uh, figure out each other because we've been together what nearly two years now so for some for some people that is like a drop in the ocean but for us that's like it's literally been intense because from the start she's had to get used to me and I've had to get used to her so it's been good she's a great great individual but um yeah I won't talk too much on the the whole of the relationship thing because it's just a bit bit weird isn't it (laughs) yeah we understand So that's that's you you changing as a person over the last sort of five or ten years. What about as a footballer yeah. on the pitch? How have you changed, developed? What do you do different tactically? I'm smarter now. I'm if anyone can remember the when I first came in, it was very much a case of running after the whole back line on my own and you know putting pressure on people. I could still do that, but I just don't see the there's no gain in it now. Me chasing a whole back four down on my own and getting picked up and then the ball comes up to me and I'm blowing out my arse and I can't get hold of it. I've been smarter. I train differently. I eat differently. I think differently. But ultimately, my job is to deliver. Thankfully, I've never been, I don't think I've ever been perceived as a natural goal scorer in the same mould of a Iggy or a Luther, for example. People that are what you class as poachers. Um, I think I bring a lot more to the table in regards to my all-round link-up and assists and things of that nature. So just trying to, honestly, just trying to ride this 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 wave as long as I can. I think I've got four or five years left in me. It's been brilliant because every year I keep seeing people say, we should get rid of him, he's rubbish, he's, <laughs> he's too old, he's fat, he's all these different things. And then, as I say, to go through spells of the season and it's like, ah, we need Troy. That was really evident for me this year in regards to... Uh, we lost to Everton and I remember seeing like loads of comments like Troy will never score, he only scores penalties, blah, 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 blah. And then I think after about four weeks, it was kind of like, ah, maybe this isn't Troy's fault. Then after like eight weeks, it was definitely like, shit, we need him back. I've enjoyed the roller coaster of what that is, but um, I know I've got a lot to offer this team and as long as I'm still contributing, I will always stay around. If I'm not contributing, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, probably time for me to leave and when you do leave though Troy where, where, where do you think you will you will go Which, what is it you sort of want for your future you know, we say 10 years already at the club you know testimonial you know be 10 years in, in, in the beginning of August you've got more to go at the club is it, is it do you have a sort of next step after Watford that you would you desire 
what I desire is is uh, is an interesting thought because I ultimately just want to be happy. That's ultimately what I want to be. Do I know 100% what that's going to be? No. i got my fingers in many pies, as the old Dalboy saying. I'm definitely interested in media. I've got business projects that I'm in that are doing really well, like lucratively they're doing well. And ultimately, do I want to sacrifice time for money, really? It, it would all play into that. I'm doing steps in terms of my badges and, and coaching and I just finished up a, uh, a degree in, in football business. So I've got other things that are on my mind, but ultimately the football is, is what drives it all. So those conversations won't come into full fruition until I'm really crap and I can't get a game. <laughs> it seems to me that you you're not going to you know go to China for uh, a, a, just for a, a, pl- a yeah. payday. You're not even you know you know even America. I mean, and that'd be a bit a bit nicer yeah. most of it. Is there like a, a step like that you would like to, or you would you would consider more than the others? Yeah, ultimately, I'm going to end up living in America. I know that much. We're already making steps to make that a, a full realization. Would I go out there to play football? Possibly. But there's a lot of factors involved in that. So it certainly wouldn't be about finances. It would be more of a, do I want to put myself through it, first and foremost? Do I see it as a, an add-in to the, essentially the Troy Deeney brand? I know that sounds really cheesy, but ultimately, does it add? Or do I turn around and say, let's say in four years' time, Watford turned around and said, look, we would like to give you, I don't know, the under-23s job or director of football job. There's all different moving parts. So... I wouldn't tie myself down to anything. And as I say, I'm fortunate that financially I won't ever be dictated to. So that's kind of the biggest step for me, a bit of a financial freedom. It sounds like you're, from your, your psychological point of view, Troy, you sound very, like Zen's the wrong word, but you sound like mm-hmm. you're perhaps more at peace now than you, than you ever have been in quite a sort of tumultuous life, I guess, so far. And you've yeah. talked about lessons, you've talked about growing up. And part of me was thinking, oh, you know, you're, you sound very chill, very relaxed, but you actually sound busier than ever. What your business? <laughs> you're doing your badges. You've got yeah. training. And I've got to be a dad in the middle of that. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> is that is that the life lesson? Just just go at go at everything and and do it as well as you can. Yeah. So I, I had a, a, a scattergun approach when I was like 28, 29. I kind of started thinking. So I remember coming up like when I was at Warsaw, we had like moons, obviously. Michael Ricketts, Paul Hall, Darren Byfield all used to say to me, oh, when you get to 30, you know, you, you kind of shit the bed, you're done, like football's done. So I always used to think that 30 was a really scary number. <laughs> um, so like 28, 29, I started thinking, what do I want to do? How do I want to finish my career? And and I'm an, uh, an observer as well. So I watched like people like Doyle, for example, who just kept playing and kept playing and kept playing. And they kind of, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but kind of, finish without a plan and I don't ever want to be that person that's kind of not in control of my own destiny while I am doing a lot of different things it's all done on my own time that's 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 probably why you would it would sound busy but I'm ultimately doing a lot in my time it's all configured around like the kids come first missus and kids come first so a normal week will be football gymnastics cheerleading Hmm. I've got to be back for those things and then everything else can kind of fit in and around it. If I can do it, I'll do it. If I can't, I can't. So, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been trying, but I'm definitely getting to a point now where everything I'm doing is for is, is at a targeted audience. 
that's the best way to do it. So if I, I kind of know where I want to go. So let me let me do interviews that will propel me into that space. Let me go to certain events that will put me in that space. So yeah, while I um, might be a wild character, I'm very thought out and there's a bit of a method to the madness. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike, he didn't let down. He used Troy Deeney. He, he he talked the talk. He was honest, and he is everything that we have grown to love in that man. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds uh, ungrateful to say it's no surprise to 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 get such a to cover such a lot of ground with with Troy and just to get such open and honest answers. I think it was fascinating to hear from him um, on a personal level what he thought about a certain head coaches, for example, how he's developed as a player. But what really resonated with 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 me as a as a dad and someone who's you know I'm I'm thirty two when I started doing the podcast, forty two now, so I've grown up a lot over the last ten years, two kids and. Just resonant, just hearing about how his journey is is going along those lines as well, and it's you know a reminder that ultimately we're all we're all people, we're all human beings trying to make the best of uh, of this life. Just really, really great to hear from him. Just get a little insight into into what life is like for Troy at the moment. Brilliant stuff, Jason. What what sort of stood out for you? Uh, I don't think if there's any one single thing that stood out, but I think what I liked was he's still a very confident character, and as a fan of, of Watford knowing that he's part of our team, hearing him talk today, talking about things where he's been at the forefront of, of things relating to Watford. Some cases he was talking about doing things differently, managers he didn't agree with, players that have done different things. And he was respectful in all of that, but still ultimately clear in his goals, the way he went about things, no regrets. And that just sort of that, that holds a, a positive feeling for me that he's part of our football club. And it was a wonderful interview. We had a long, long time with Troy, uh, and those are the best bits uh, that we felt that you, you, know, you guys would want to do. He's so honest, he's so open, uh, and he's ours. And that's the, the best feeling I think I got from the end of that podcast. Thank you very much, Michael. Not at all. And thank you to, of course, to Troy. And thank you, Jason. Thank you. And thank you for listening for the last 10 years to From the Rickerman. This has been a joy to do. We've got to do some fantastic things. we made a lot of friends and we hope that you have enjoyed somewhere along the line one of these episodes. We're going to keep going. Don't worry, it's not the end. But this has definitely been a week of celebrating what it has been to make this podcast we call From the Rickerman. Come on!